glad that you guys are here today. Um, I'm always nervous if the microphone's going to work, if it's staying on my glasses, uh, kind of my anxiety when I start preaching. Uh, but we are very glad that you're here. Today we're going to do something a little different as I preach. Um, Holly's going to do some a painting for us, and we're going to have it on the screen as, as, as I preach. Today we're talking about the battle that rages on every day. Just to say something a little more about Hallie, though. She is here every single Sunday, um, except when she skips. Um, <laughs> there's only once in a great while that she's not here. But she's here at 8 o'clock, 8.30. She sets up. She, she does her signs. She, she does so much under the, under the radar, under the scene, that no one ever notices. And so what a blessing it is to have a, such a creative, wonderful, spiritual woman that goes to our church can do your talent. So we greatly appreciate you. I really hope the drawing's good now. Or the painting, whatever you call it. <laughs> so, as, as um, you know, there's not, you probably won't remember a lot what I'm going to say today. You'll probably remember more of what's on the screen and, and the, hopefully the Word of God. Uh, but today we're talking about spiritual battles. Um, this, the battle that continually rages on each and every day in our lives. Um, before I begin, I, I, normally I, my sermons are, I have a lot of little short stories and so on and so forth. Today there's probably not going to be a lot of short stories. But I want to start with two, um, just to get going. Uh, one's kind of, a, we're not going to do a lot of stories, but just two right off the bat. I've told this story before, and, uh, but I, I tell it again because when I was in high school, I started reading um, This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. And Frank Preddy is a great author. He does a spiritual warfare books. And it was a great time. I was growing in my Christian faith. I was, I was studying about the occult. And because we had some people in our high school that were really into devil worshiping and witchcraft and all this other kind of stuff. So I started really studying the scriptures of what the Bible had to say and reading some spiritual books. And I was, I was staying up late. Um, it's probably one or two in the morning. I was a senior. And so if you're a senior, that's the only reason you can stay up late um, reading books. But, uh, so I'm not giving permission to my children to stay up late. But uh, as I was reading, uh, I had the TV on, I had Christian music going, I was reading this book, and during this part of this book, I was reading where these, these demonic beings were going to open this door, and, and this, this lady was going to come in, they were gonna, this, these guys were going to rape her. And during that time, as I, as I started shifting in my seat, my TV started changing channels. And I thought, oh my goodness, we, my TV's possessed. And I, I'm, be, I'm this is a high school kid, my faith is young, and so I, I don't know what to do, so I do the only logical thing you can do. I go up to the TV, I lay hands on the TV, I cast it out in the name of Jesus, and everything is fine. And that was my first laying on of hands of a TV. And as I was doing this, I, I went back, I settled back down to my chair, I started reading, going through my book, and I, a couple pages later, the TV started changing channels once again. And this is getting now, it's a little creepy. I'm about to go into my mom and dad's room, say, hey, mom, dad, something's happening. We need to talk. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I didn't have enough faith the first time. So I, I go up, I cast out the demon again, so everything is good to go. So then I, I sit back down, I finally start reading my book again. Everything is great. Getting to the end of the chapter, and I realize I, I dropped something, I think my highlighter, and I found my remote control on the side of the couch. So every time I moved, the TV would start changing channels. So my TV wasn't possessed. Um, I, I thought it was, but it wasn't. So that was kind of my, 
my beginning of, of, of really looking at the spiritual battles. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, when I was pastoring in Kansas, I had this guy come to my church. He came in, and he sat down, and he said, Michael, are you ready for your interview? He'd never been to my church before. He didn't know our worship service. He didn't know what kind of songs we sang. He didn't know anything. He started to ask me about theology. He started asking me about the book of Revelation. He started asking me about where I am with, uh, with creation. He started asking me all these types of questions. And the very last question he asked me, he says, Michael, do you believe that the devil is real? Well, I thought that was kind of a strange question. I said, absolutely, I believe the devil is real. The scriptures are very, very clear that the devil is real. He, he's a real entity, that he is destroying people's lives on a daily basis. And after I said that, he said, okay, you passed the interview. I'll, I'll start attending your church. He wanted to know whether or not I truly believed the scriptures, or I just was one of those guys that believed some of the scriptures, but not all the scriptures. Apparently, in his previous church, the pastor didn't believe that the devil was a real entity, that was a real spirit. We, we have a, a world today where we have been, the, the idea that the devil is not real, that we live in this society that the, spirit, that the devil is a made-up belief, and he's not really influencing people's lives. I want to tell you, my friends, that is something so far from the truth that we really have got to know who our enemy is and how to fight the enemy as well. So there's going to be a couple of... Oh, that's really cool. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's my ADD kicking in right there. Um, it's nice. Um, yeah, let's focus. Focus, everyone. Oh, it's a very good drawing. So, I, I don't know if we're going to do this. Uh, so, the first Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I want to read that again, since we don't have it on the screen. It says, be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. When, when, I, when I read those scriptures, I am reminded that Peter was very, very conscious that the devil is someone, a spirit, that is wanting to crush and destroy everything that we hold value. Our families, our friends, our wife, our, our children, everyone around us that we care something dearly about, the devil wants to completely annihilate and destroy. Now, I don't know about you, but the, 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 the lions, we don't hear a lot of lions here in Wyoming. We just don't. Unless you go to the zoo, there's some lions there. But it doesn't really have the real, the, the idea of what the, the, the scariness of a lion is. Spencer and I was hunting last week, and, and it was, we were hunting. It was the middle of the night. Well, we were hunting in the middle of the night. Uh, that'd be poaching. Uh, we, we were hunting, and it was night. We were near our camper and everything like this. I'm not a poacher. Um, we do have police officers in the house, so we got to be careful. Uh, so anyway, we were, we, were, we were just, we were outside, and all of a sudden you hear the wolves howl. And there is nothing more eerie than wolves howling, knowing that they are around you, that they are close, that they can pounce on you at any moment. Especially after you kill something, you gut it, and you have all this blood all over you. You're just, your imagination kind of roams wild. Where's the wolves? Where's the lion? Where's the bear? Oh my. Okay. Not a lot of short stories, but we're going to have a little little uh, words once in a while. So when I read these words of 1 Peter, it reminded me of the story that happened a little more than a century ago. I first learned of the story from a movie that was based on it. In the late 1800s, the British began to build a railroad over the river in Kenya. But the project was being severely tra and tragically hampered 
because lions would attack each and every night. And every night, the, the British people, would, the British uh, um, army would set up fires, they would set up traps, they would set up all these different types of things in order to capture the two lions. They could never do it. A year and a half finally goes by, and one of the gentlemen finally shoots one of the lions, and then the other one is captured and killed three weeks later. Those lions killed about 135 people during that year and a half. They were man-eaters. They were just wanting to go in. They would kill. They wouldn't necessarily eat on the meat, eat on the person. They would kill, and they would move on, just waiting for another night. My friends, that's what the devil is all about, Coming in and destroying people's lives, destroying and putting doubts in your mind, and just doubting who God is, doubting the Word of God, and doubting your relationship and your salvation with God. That's what the devil does, my friends. So I want you to understand, as we look at this, just as we see that in 1 Peter, let me just read it one more time, be sober-minded and alert, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Peter says this because he be sober and self-control, or self-controlled. If you read that word sober and you are thinking about not being intoxicated, you're understanding that word correctly. But it means more than simply not being drunk with alcohol. It means that not letting anything fog up or you're thinking that we are being clear-headed and clear-minded. An awareness that the devil is roaming around as a dangerous mystery, uh, adversary, roaring like a roaring lion, is seeking to throw us into panic and confusion. I, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been confused or you've been attacked by the devil and you don't know what to do? Okay, some of you raise your hand, some of you are lying, some of you don't know what's going on. That's all right. That's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just joking. If you're new to our church, I like to joke. It's my way. As Michael said in his sermon, or his, his sermon, his baptism, he likes to joke around. I do too. But that's one thing. It's interesting as we look at the scripture, one thing the devil likes to do is throw us off balance in our daily life. He likes to throw things at us that is that completely out of the blue. Now before I go on, there's a scripture that says, do not say that God is tempting you, for we are not tempted, for God does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when? By his own evil desires. So I want you to understand, I want to leave a, leave a little preface here as well, that I don't need the devil in my life to tempt me to do sin in this world. I have my own evil desires, my own enticements that I struggle with on a daily basis. There are people that say, well, the devil made me do it. Or all these other excuses. But I'm going to tell you, my friends, that the devil has a huge abil ability to attack us, but it's also we have the ability to sin because we are sinful people. We are sinful people because we have fallen with Adam. Notice how Peter speaks of him. He refers to the devil as your adversary. The word here is one as the one referring to a court of law. An adversary is in the, in the fight to win, and that's what the devil is. He is an adversary who's in it to win. What's at stake for the, in this situation? What's at stake in this, in this battle of your life and your soul is your eternity. And my friends, I want you to understand that we are children. Their souls are at stake your husband, your wife, your relatives, their souls are at stake at this very moment because the battle that is going on every single day in this world today, and most of us never even see it. Most of us don't even think about the spiritual implications, the spiritual battle that is going on. We think about going to work tomorrow, 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock, come home, what's for dinner? We eat dinner, what's on Netflix? We, say, we spend time with our family, and then what? We go to bed. 
That's how most people today, that's how I think a lot of people live today without thinking about the spiritual implications of what's going on in life today. So I want you to understand, as 1 Peter says, be sober-minded and alert. Be prepared. Look for what's taking place. The devil is a roaring lion ready to attack you. And we're going to talk about how he attacks. I don't want to get ahead of my notes, so I better keep track. Because I will do that. Because I got some good notes coming your way. Just to let you know. I've read this sermon several times. It's a good sermon, so stay awake. All right, if not, we'll do it again after church. All right, no, sort of joking. So the devil, what's the devil mean? The devil word, the word devil basically means accuser or slanderer. And that's what the devil is. He's accuser of God's people. He speaks evil of them. He, he is the one who slanders the righteous man of Job, telling God, does God fear Job, God, or does Job fear God or nothing? And Revelation tells us that he is the accuser of our brother who accused them before God day and night. Satan is the one that accuses us daily. He's the one that stands before God and says, do you remember what Michael Longfellow did today? Do you remember what he did last week? Do you remember what he did the week before? Do you remember all the sins Michael Longfellow has committed? And he asked God the question, how can you love someone like Michael Longfellow? And that's a really good question. That's a very good question. Because if you would be able to look and see the things I've done in my life, you would not want to hear me preach. But I will tell you, my friends, if I knew what you guys did in your life, It's kind of back and forth, isn't it? We, th- we know what we've done is evil and corrupt, and the devil is always accusing, why would you love someone like this person? Why would you love someone who is so horrible and so slanderous? And God, our Jesus, our great advocator, is standing before God is saying, because I died for Michael Longfellow. I died for each person in this church. I died for everyone in the world today to have a relationship with me. As Steve said earlier, it's not based upon what we are going to do for God, but it's what God has done for us. And that, my friend, is where the slanderer, the accuser, has no power whatsoever. He has no power in your life if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and have committed your life over to him. But I will tell you, my friends, if you're not a believer, then your hands, then your soul is in the hands of the devil right now. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm really not. But I want to show you the evidence and the proof that if you are not a believer, if you've not committed your life to Christ, then your soul is in, in, in destination, that has the destination of being damned forever. And that, my friends, is a very scary, scary thing. When we live maybe a hundred years on this life, but eternity is forever where we're going to spend our time with God. There's a battle that rages in the universe all around us. If, you're, if you have your Bible, turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10, 10 through 12. This is my, one of my favorite scriptures. I love Daniel. If you haven't read the book of Daniel lately, you should. Uh, it, it's just a phenomenal book. So to give you a little preface of what's going on, Daniel received a vision. He's been praying for 21 days. For, for an answer of, his, of the problems that is taking place. And during this 21 days, before hearing from the angel of the Lord, God has sent, I'm sorry, so 21 days he's been praying, and God sends an angel to send word to Daniel. 
So during this time, Daniel is praying, and God is sending this angel to deliver the message of the message of what Daniel needs to hear. But during that 21 days, the angel is being stopped by another demonic, demonic angel. I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and read the scripture. Daniel chapter 10, 10 11. I'm going to read also 13. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have sent to you. And when he had spoken these words, I stood up trembling. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, from this first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. Your words have been heard. I have come because of your words. But the prince of Persia, king, the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Uh, this is a beautiful scene, my friends. I want you to understand, there are times I wish God would un- roll back the screen. He would roll back the spiritual realms and let us see what is taking place and the battles that are going on daily with your life and my life and the life of the world today. So Daniel's praying for 21 days, wanting this answer. God sends an angel, and the prince of Persia is stopping him. Another, another demonic being is not allowing the, demon, or the angel to come down and speak to David, Daniel. And then what happens? Michael comes and saves. We always got to love Michaels, don't we? Okay. All right. Sorry, that was very um, unspiritual. But, but it was good. Um, so, as, so here we see this battle that's taking place. And we're going to kind of cover this as we continue on, what, are, what the activities is of the spiritual warfare. But my question I want to ask, I want to ask Daniel this question, or actually God, when, he, when I get to heaven. He was praying 21 days just for this message to be heard. What happens if he had stopped praying? What happens if he just kind of gave up on the prayers and just decided to move on? Instead of focusing upon what was at task and what was at hand. I, I don't know about you, but I mean there are days I'm my prayer life is pretty pretty spotty. I, I pray for someone and then I kind of move on. I, I pray for another thing, then I kind of move on. I pray for something else and I move on. I, I pray for a lot of things, but how much time do we come back and we really intimately spend time with God? with the things that truly matter in our lives? How much time do we spend in prayer that we just focus on that issue and that issue alone? Whether it be our marriage, whether it be our finances, whether it be our health, whether it be our, our friend's salvation, our kids' salvation, wherever we are, how much time do we truly spend in prayer? Or do we this great shotgun prayer and we just want God to, to answer it all? I, I, have, a, I have a rule in my house. Um, when, my, when the kids come in, they, they, they need something. They don't just come in and start saying, Dad, I need this, Dad, I need that. I, I guess I learned this from Grandma. They better ask me how my day is. They better say, hey, Dad, how are you doing? How was your day? And then as soon as they're done with that, then I know we have a question coming. <laughs> I, I, we know the routine, but you know what? They, they gave thought to how my day was. They showed appreciation, and so now we can get down to business. I want to make sure my kids love me. I want to make sure I love my kids. And that's the same way with God. Is that God wants to know how you are doing. That God wants to know what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and how your day is. He's your father. He is the one that's intimately entwined in your relationship with him. 
He's the one that created you and built you. He's the one that uplifts you. He wants to hear what you have to say. Don't use God just as a wish list, as so many of us do. But use God as a friend and as a father with the reverence that he so rightly deserves. And my friends, I think we would see some tremendous things. Let us never forget to pray. God lives. He is near. He's not only aware of us, but he also cares deeply for each one of us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In order to get our hands, our, our hand wrapped around this, let's look at several different versions. We are not fighting against humans. We are not fighting against forces and authorities, against rulers of darkness and powers of the spiritual world. Another, another translation, <coughs> for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against the evil rulers, authorities of the unseen, against the mighty powers in the dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here are four facts from the scripture I want, you to feel, I want you to focus on. They are numerous. They are numerous in the express, expression, the various expression of verse 12. They are principalities and powers. They are rulers. They are authorities. These different expressions describe many different ranks and categories of evil spirit being. And, and, and you can disagree with me on my interpretation with this, but I believe, as Pastor Michael has also said, that we have spheres of influences in the heavenly realms and also the demonic realms as well. I truly believe that we have demonic beings who are so proficient at their job of destroying people's lives that they have names for them. The spirit of divorce, the spirit of pornography, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of fighting, the spirit of whatever, the greed, love of money, whatever you want to cover, the sins that we have today, I am sure in the very bottom of my core of my heart that there is a spirit who is trying to influence you to go down that path. And my friends, our battle is not against flesh and blood. <laughs> How many of us think it is? Well, my wife, if she would change, we would have a good relationship. We just got through a four-part sermon series on marriage, right? We, 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 we think our enemy is the people that are around us. We think our enemy <coughs> is the government or whoever is being elected, our senates and our officials. We think the people that are, the, the, the love of money, the, 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 the mayor, the, the politics here in Rock Springs, we think those are the enemies. And when we look at it, the scripture tells us that the principalities are our enemies. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the spiritual realms of the world today. So what's that mean? That means when I'm fighting with my wife, which we don't do very often, praise God. When, when we argue, why are we arguing? Normally it's about a selfish desire. Normally it's because something wasn't done correctly in her mind or my mind. Normally it's something that's trivial that we fight about. But what good is it? Do you know how hard it is to fight with someone when you pray with them? Have, have you ever done that before? You have an issue with someone and you just really want to fight? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in one of those fighting moods? You just want to fight? Oh, there's some of you. I know it. 
Monday mornings, I know that I can name three people at work. Man, Monday mornings, they just want to fight. Let's fight. Let's, let's fight about something. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. Let's fight, though. And, and, and my thought process is when we, when we sit down, we just want to pray with you. How hard is it to be mad at someone when you pray with them? I think it's relatively hard. I think it's relatively difficult sometimes. We also see from Ephesians, they are powerful. Don't think of Casper the friendly ghost or someone, a nice spirit being like who plays tricks on you. The demons are real and they aren't on your side. J.B. Phillips calls them the spiritual agents from the headquarters of the evil, the depths of hell. Now, once I said earlier, today, earlier, I said I believe that we have the influence of our own spiritual, our desires of our own evil life, our own decisions we make, but also that there is spiritual influences in our daily life as well. Whether it be your marriage, or whether it be guys with pornography, women with pornography too, I guess nowadays, gossip, slander. The evil one is working to destroy your life and to destroy the church as well. You know, I, I, sometimes I, I find tremendous as I see our church grow. That the more that we grow, the more problems we are going to have. The more that you grow spiritually, the more problems you are going to face spiritually and physically as well. You're going to hit, be hit with health issues. You're going to be hit with family issues. You're going to be hit with financial issues. Whether issues you can think of, you're going to probably be hit with those issues. Because Satan does not want you to grow. He does not want you to understand that he is real, making a difference (coughs) in people's lives. Also, they are wicked. They follow no no moral code. They live only the devil's bidding. They are opposed to do what is good and holy and right. And they also are clever. We think we are smart people. We think we have wisdom beyond belief. But let me tell you, my friends, we are nothing compared to a demon. They have been around for centuries upon centuries. And they know how to fight. <coughs> Excuse me. First, it reminds us that our battle is not against humans. Second, this verse teaches us that we are various kinds of demonic powers. You realize, as Michael has said in his sermons before, that Wyoming is number one in a lot of categories today. Uh, Divorce, suicide, depression, a lot of things. And sometimes I wonder if there is a demonic spirit over Rock Springs and over Green River that is stopping the gospel from flowing freely to people's lives. And I am wondering if we as Christians would get on our knees and pray 21 days, not a number, if we would just truly pray and we would wait for that angel to come and deliver the word of God to us, we would wait for the resounding gong, what God is, the trumpet's going to be sounding, and we would wait for him and continue to pray, will we beat the demonic forces? We absolutely would. But some of us are so comfortable, my friends. We are so comfortable where we are. We don't care what's going on around us. We have our jobs. We have our families. We're comfortable, but we're not worried about people's salvation. We're not worried about our brothers and sisters, what they're going through. And my friends, I tell you that there's a struggle. I love to see. I I love the battle that we are in. (coughs) Excuse me. Because I know that we have already won. I know that we have already been declared victorious, but right now we may lose some skirmishes. We may lose people if we don't do something. 
And let me tell you, my friends, when we do it, we have to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not by our power, it's not by our might, but it's being used by the power of God. One of the most powerful weapons that God has given us is prayer. Prayer allows us to engage in the spiritual warfare that needs to take place. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Just when I was going to look at the picture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obedience to Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. As we read the scripture, I want you to understand the stronghold. I love this scripture. For the weapons of our, uh, weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but they will divine powers to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? This gets exciting. Okay, I mean, uh, a stronghold is a military terminology. Military terminology of strongholds is a fort where a siege, an army was going to come in and attack the people. They would build a stronghold. A stronghold would already happen. They would come in and they would fortify themselves. This is, this is one of those moments. Bless your heart. Thank you. Go and look at the picture. <laughs> Can I get a refill? Yes. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <coughs> sort of. <coughs> no, I'm joking. All right, stronghold. So this is man. It's a good thing I have notes. I hit a picture. So stronghold is a military strategic place where you are fortified when you are being attacked. But it's also what the devil uses in our lives. He builds strongholds in our lives where he can attack from. What are some of those strongholds? Opinions, lofty arguments. Some of the scriptures that we just read, the lofty arguments, the fallacy of God. But what are some of the other forts, the other strongholds that Satan can use against us? I'll tell you, my friends, pornography. Pornography is huge. And ladies, I don't know if you understand how huge it is in a guy's life. I will tell my wife, when we first got married, I can go to a rated R movie. I can watch some people get shot. I can watch people die. But I cannot watch naked people. Because I will, that, those images burn in a guy's mind. We remember those things. The skin that we see are the things that we think we can touch. We tell our girls that all the time. Man, if you, if you can see it, a guy thinks he can touch it. Modesty. So same thing with guys now. It's kind of weird. I don't understand. Well, the one I'm talking about, about. So I want you to ask you a question. The strongholds in your life, the areas that have not been given over to God, what are those strongholds? Is it insecurity? Is it doubt? Trust? Intimacy issues? You can go on and on about the strongholds we have in our lives that we have fortified against God. I love the baptism service. and When that happens, we're, we're dedicating our lives, our full life over to God. And most of the time, we, we're thinking to ourselves at some point, God, I'm dedicating everything I have to you except for this. I'm keeping this part for myself. 
whether it be money, whether it be finances, possession, whatever it is. Maybe it's whatever I can do where no one else is looking. I'm going to give you everything I have, God, except this one little perspective, this one little part of my life. You can have it all, but not this. And the Scriptures tells us, let me just read that one more time. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not for the flesh, but have divine power to destroy the strongholds. What weapons do we have today? What possessions do we have? We have the armor of God that we are able to put on. If you haven't read Ephesians chapter 6 lately, go ahead and read Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Make a note in your Bible. Make a note in your phone. Make a note somewhere. But we have the ability to destroy the strongholds in our lives today, to completely rid of the things in our lives. If you want someone to be accountable with you, give me a call. You're having problems? Call me up. If you're having uh, temptations, you can call me anytime. You can call are, are people who know you, people who you trust, to help you proclaim in the way of the name of the Lord to destroy the strongholds of your life. You want a good marriage? Destroy those strongholds that are keeping you from being a good husband or a good wife. If you want a good relationship with your children, destroy those strongholds. And commit your life to God and commit your life over to them as well. Deception is one of the primary weapons of the devil. What strongholds can do is cause us to think and wage what's blocked us from God's best for us. His best plan, his best peace, his best love. Strongholds can be broken by taking thoughts captive and comparing it to what God says and letting him change our thought pattern by renewing our mind. Taking every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Is this a holy thought? Is this a righteous thought? Is this what God will want me to be thinking? Is that possible? Absolutely. Don't tell me it's not because the scriptures wouldn't tell you you couldn't do it if he said you could do it. So when you are struggling loving your wife, when you're struggling loving your husband, when your kids are ex just irritating you, which doesn't happen often for us. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't. They're good kids. But take what you are thinking and compare that to the Word of God. Is it true? Is it accurate? Is it efficient with what God is saying to you? And that, my friends, is how we beat some of these strongholds in our lives, taking our thoughts captive, not allowing the devil to run with deception. Michael, you're no longer, you're no good. God does not love you. Your wife is not happy with you. You're not secure in your relationship with your job. Blah, 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 blah. How many doubts do we have every day that we are not good enough for the love of God, that we are not good enough for our love for our, our spouses? Every day, most people go through those things. Here, one of those short stories, short stories, short stories. So two years ago, when I, when I, when I, when I decided to, decided to uh, retire from the ministry, I thought, okay, this is good. Won't be that hard to find a job. Be a piece of cake. I, I, my number changed. I'm not trying to lie. I just, my number changes. I'm getting older. So I, I think I know, at one point, I, I think I put 212 applications out and got like two phone calls. And, and I think to myself, I am worthless. I can't even get a job at Home Depot. They won't call me. Walmart, they, they, don't, they ignore me. So on and so forth. 
I went through this period of my life, and my wife had to help me. That I, I wasn't worthless. I wasn't unworthy. I was okay, and we were going to be okay. Have you ever been there before that just wherever you are in life, you just don't feel like you're worth anything? My friends, feelings can be very, very fickle. Compare your feelings to what the Word of God has to say. And eventually, your heart will catch up to your mind when it's being captivated with the Word of God. If you don't, you're going to believe the lies that the evil one tells you. And my friends, the lies will drive you to despair. It will drive you to a place you do not want to go. Deception. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing, perfect will. The devil will do everything in his power to keep you from praying, from keeping you from in the Word, keeping you from fellowship with believers, and keep you from growing spiritually in the Word. We need to focus on the important aspects of the Word, war, not fleshly desires of our hearts. It is so easy to get caught up in things of the world today to look like a successful Christian. To look like you are doing great, but on the inside you are dying. The scripture says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, believing what the scriptures have to say to you, speaking truth into people, speaking truth into yourself and into your spouse as well. Do you know how hard sometimes it is to speak truth into people's lives when you don't like them? (laughs) You guys act like I'm the only one that has issues. I know. Okay. No, never mind. We won't go to illustrations yet. All right. That's later. But, but, but each one of us struggle with people. But let me tell you, my friends, if God loves that person that you are struggling to love, shouldn't we love them as well? Oh, the Bible answers, yeah. Yeah, we should love them. Jesus loves them. We should love them. Is it, is it easy to do? Oh, my goodness. It's hard. I want to ask you the question, what is their salvation? What is their soul worth? Their soul was worth Jesus dying upon the cross. Surely I can give up some of my pride issues to love people who need to be loved, who are the unloving and unloved. The Scriptures tells us. So here we are. We've got to conclude. My friends, you're not alone. If you were fighting this battle on your own, you would be defeated and you would die. No questions asked. You would have a chance against the demonic powers of the world today. But we have been called by a great God to do some extraordinary things. The spiritual forces that come against us are strong and more cunning than we will ever be. And they are in control of the present world. And 1 John chapter 5, 19 says this, We know that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The thief comes, still, the thief comes kills, steals, and destroys. And I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God reigning inside of you. There cannot be room for the Holy Spirit and another spirit at all. You are in control of your relationship with God. 
your relationship with God dwells with inside of you, the Spirit, and continues to dwell. You are not left alone. You are not left to despair or to fight this war on your own, but you are here to fight and be victorious with the, with the Holy Spirit. My friends, you are not alone. I, I love the scripture, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world today. And my friends, I tell you that he who is in you, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, God the Father who is inside of you is greater than the one that's in the world today. And I'm like, that deserves applause. Because if you were left alone, you would die, as I said before, but if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, that you can conquer the evil one. You can conquer the spiritual forces in your life. You can conquer the forts, the strongholds in your life, and you can have a great life in Jesus Christ. You truly can, but does that mean you're going to have a great, great life with no physical problems, no financial problems, no marital problems? Absolutely not. Oh, it irritates me. Oh, just send me $20 and I'll pray for you and you will have a great life. Text Longfellow to your giving and I will pray for you and your life will be perfect. Oh, never. Okay. It irritates me beyond belief when people say that you become a Christian and you're going to have a great life. I will have a great life when I get to heaven. I hope and pray I have a holy life here with God Almighty. Because James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face all trials of any kind. So when we face trials, we are supposed to be happy. What does that mean? How many of you happy when your car breaks down? Oh, praise the Lord, my car broke down. What is that? If you do that, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. It's just weird. No, I really want to unfriend you. But, but it's just strange. But that's what God has called us to do. That's what God has called us to be. We are to be overcomers in this world today. You are not alone. That's why I want to make establishment as I close this. That is, that's really cool. You're not alone. You have already won the victory through Jesus Christ. When we surrender our problems and surrender our issues to Him, He has already defeated the enemy. We may feel like we are defeated days and at times and seasons, but God has called us to be greater than our problems. Because God is in us, we are made in God's image, and we can overcome the evil one. My friends, I pray that this church I pray the Church of Rock Springs and the United States of America and throughout the world will break through that spiritual barrier and be able to see the blessings of God poured out upon His church. My prayer is Acts chapter 2, that we will see the church as it was in the New Testament, that we will see people healed, that we will see people walk, that we will see people who are blind able to see I pray that we are truly conscious of the battle that's going on around us today. You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never given Him your life, I pray you do so today. We're going to have people over here in the prayer room. We will have Pastor Michael, anyone you know who's a believer. 
If you want to make that decision today to follow Christ, this is the time to do it. This is the time to follow Him and commit your life over to Him. Break those strongholds down wherever they are in your life. Don't put it off. Tomorrow may not come. Tomorrow may never happen. Don't put off something today. No tomorrow for what you can do today. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, that you, by your might and your grace, have forgiven us and that you love us. Lord, this battle that we are within, I am excited to tear down the strongholds of the evil one in my life and in this city. Lord, I pray and I dedicate myself to you to pray earnestly for this battle that is going on in people's lives. I pray, Lord, that you will touch their hearts, touch their spirit, God. Clear their mind, Lord. The scripture tells us that the evil one has put blinders upon people that they may not see the truth. I pray, God, today that they see the truth here in our church and the churches around. I pray, God, that we will truly be on fire for you with all our might, that we will be more excited about the relationship we have with you than we will be football, hunting, and all the different recreation activities we have in our life. Lord, I pray that our life with you is a priority. Lord, I pray people make that decision. Even if we have been believers for a long, long time, God. Change our heart. Let us surrender those things that have kept us from you. Lord, let us surrender our whole life to you. You died for us, and you love us. You make us worthy, and you make us loved. Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' holy and his precious name we pray. Amen.